Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, intuitive medium, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created this show with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together, we can all make a difference. And it starts with love, love from the hip. The concept of authenticity has long been discussed in a variation of ways throughout our history. Beginning with Socrates' Know Thyself, Descartes described it as following a moral inner voice, while Nietzsche emphasized having the courage to be authentic and to fight against the tyranny of popular belief. Psychologists Abraham Maslow and Carl Rogers believe that we are born with the desire to grow, create, and to love and that we innately have the power to direct our own lives or self-actualize. Rogers believe that in order to self-actualize, a person's ideal self needs to be congruent with their actual behavior. Self-actualization, according to Maslow, meant the desire for self-fulfillment or a person's tendency to be actualized in their potential. Authenticity, according to them both, consists of nature fulfillment. It is about playing to our innate strengths, following our intrinsic interests while remaining self-determined. While Freudian psychologists see humans as mainly lustful, murderous savages if left to our natural instincts, humanistic psychologists, on the other hand, who have a better understanding of human nature, believe that authenticity is one of the most important values we can bring into our lives. It not only increases our well-being, but also encourages happiness, boosts self-esteem, and leaves us feeling fulfilled. As a result, anxiety, fear, anger, and even loneliness dissipate. In addition, the more authenticity we have, the greater amount of compassion and altruism we have for others. We turn judgment into acceptance. When our actions align with our true nature, we are more apt to pursue our passions, believe in ourselves, and feel confident in the decisions we make. Not to mention, authenticity fuels inspiration. People are drawn to others who exude confidence, passion, and even trustworthiness. They may not even realize it, but they get inspired just by being in the presence of authenticity. It is magnetic. Perhaps the real draw is the feeling of oneness or the closeness of divine. Philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, who is considered the father of existentialism, believe authenticity requires the individual to step outside the norms of community to decide for themselves how they are to act while giving oneself over to God. In fact, many religions believe spiritual authenticity is needed to embody the work and word of God. Some even postulate that the actualization of God in the form of Jesus allowed God to seem more relatable and therefore one of us. Still, there are others in religion who argue that authenticity is a selfish sham and that it's a standalone concept and therefore separated from the fullness of God. Interestingly, a study conducted by the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life reported that while 87% of Americans view themselves as religious, only 57% actually participate consistently in worship and activities within their denominational tradition. Reason being, while it's true some hold to their guidelines within their faith, others either develop an eclectic direction to meet their spiritual needs or commit to their own personal interpretation of God and religion outside of given practices. These varied paths suggest the uniqueness of how every single person chooses to apply and to integrate what resonates with them. It also demonstrates how their level of authenticity, whether spiritual or religious, helps them to individuate their path. Perhaps the concept of authenticity causes a myriad of attitudes due to the questions it inspires. What is it to be oneself, at one with oneself, and or truly representing oneself? The irony is that in order to answer these questions, we must pull away from social conformity and get lost. The freedom gained in authenticity is not meant to take away from the power of God, spirit, or universe. It is rather to align with it. In order to tap into the great reservoir of authentic potential seen beyond the physical world through the lens of a quantum microscope, we must first be aligned with it and therefore living an authentic life. The biggest barrier in deepening one's spirituality is the lack of authenticity. 
This is what keeps us separate from God, spirit, universe, and each other. And yet we humans still create barriers to remind us of our separation, like the veil, for example. We presume that only certain people are spiritually gifted and have access to beyond it. Some say the veil was placed between God and humans with the fall of Adam. In Sufism, the veil has been invoked by Sufis throughout the centuries as a symbol of all the obstacles on the path to God. The paradox of the veil is that the universe and everything in it are a veil, are God, spirit, universe, one. Most Sufis and others in religiosity will agree. The perception of God is not something actually seen with one's eyes, but rather a beholding within one's heart. Authenticity is living a life as one with our soul. Awakening to our authentic selves enables us to take the journey back to spirit, God, and universe. We just need to find our way home to our true selves in order to realize our divine potential. Today on Love from the Hip, it is my absolute pleasure to have Michelle Welch here with us. Michelle is an author, lawyer, psychic medium, and grief doula. You may have seen her on CBS News, Good Morning Texas, Inside Edition, or heard her on Coast to Coast Radio with George Norrie. Michelle will share how she arrived at her success today, how she incorporates her psychic abilities with law, as well as tangible spiritual wisdom like Engage Before Sage, why she doesn't recommend cord cutting, how to connect with Ascended Masters, and so much more. Plus, she is graciously offering many psychic readings later on the show. So stick around. We'll be right back. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R.com. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray, free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities? No problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at esteracare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A care.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my podcast, Love from the Hip. That's H-Y-P, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the pleasure of having Michelle Welch here with us today. Michelle is an author, lawyer, psychic medium, and grief doula. You may have seen her on CBS News, Good Morning Texas, Inside Edition, or heard her on Coast to Coast Radio with George Norrie. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And where are you joining us from? Dallas, Texas, United States. We need more of your sunshine here in Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, Texas can't make up its mind. I feel for the plants. I think they're blooming and then they're like, oh, what do I do? (laughs) It's like California. (laughs) So did you grow up religious and or spiritual? I did. I I believe that I grew up in a, oh, I did. I know I grew up in a religious home and I believe that my parents and my family is also, they're, they're all, they're also spiritual. 
so I don't think there was definitely as a lot of people delineate between religion and spiritual, and I do too, but I believe I was both. I, I had a connection with divine, with in uh, my church, it was a Christian church. So I didn't have necessarily a big distinction between religious and spiritual, but now I do. Mm-hmm. I know what that's about, this the religious box versus having a deep spiritual connection. But I think I was fortunate to have both from an yeah, audience. absolutely. And I feel the same way. I feel they're very much the same. So what were some yeah, of your, of yeah, what were some of your key spiritual moments So many, but (laughs) when we're distinct, distinguishing between, I would say early on when I realized that I was different. Now I'm going to say that everybody, and I don't mean that in an ego way. I just realized it was actually odd for me to find out that not everybody was a bit strange for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. and, or maybe just not in the same way as me. It was, I thought everybody was just like me. So I'd say things that kind of got me in trouble. So that would be early on. And it was not so great when I found it out, uh, why I was always getting in trouble, but a a big spiritual awakening moment happened to be, and many of them are when I'm going through what I call uh, tower moments, uh, Mm -hmm. difficult times in my life. And in my thirties, I had one of those. And I would say, that was a big one. Sometimes when I've been a bit self-sabotaging, uh, I am not a perfect person, not a perfect human by any ma- means. And I have had moments of depression because of uh, because of what I do, my giftings, for lack of a better word, or whatever this is that I have. I don't like getting caught up in all the semantics and arguing, is it a skill, is it an ability, is it a curse? <laughs> what, mm-hmm. But because of that, uh, did, did you always be, feel like you were fighting against the grain or being shoved into a box? Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I'm, the disclaimer, this is the last one. I am not knocking anyone or any religious belief or my parents love them dearly. But yes, put into this is what you're to believe and condition to believe a certain way. And it, those were hard to let go of and to realize that I could color outside the lines. Mm-hmm. And it took me a my half my life or more to realize that I could do that. And now do you also believe that everybody has gifts? It's just whether or not we're in tuned with them and then therefore in tune with ourselves? I do. And I have struggled with that question because I have a lot of readers here, a lot of here meaning at our store Soultopia. We have three of them in Dallas and and we do also a lot of things where we hire people to read for us. And I, sometimes I'll go through things where I'm like Really? Is everyone really intuitive? Do we all have it? I I think the answer is yes, but I definitely think there is a spectrum, for lack of a better word, a continuum of those gifts. But we all have that instinct. We were born with it, like run, a tiger's coming, go, Mm -hmm. get to that fight or flight. But I think that, and I know that developing those skills or gifts. Some of us are born with them more than others, just like everyone can sing, but not everyone can sing that we want to listen to them singing. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. So when did you finally decide to step into your authenticity? Well, it was a process, but I call everything about 10 years ago. (laughs) And so time means time is just irrelevant to me. It shouldn't be. It's not irrelevant. It's just difficult for me. And so 10 years ago, quote unquote, and I really was going through one of those hard times. I felt like I wasn't being authentic at Mm. all. I felt like I was living a life of denying who I was. And I felt like I was being living a, it wasn't a, a bad life, but it was, uh, it wasn't like I was lying to people, but I felt I was lying to myself. Hmm. And not so it was and it was one of those bottom moments uh, uh, hitting a bottom in the sense of uh, my relationship uh, in my marriage and things like that. Uh, That's when I really decided, Okay, I really want to be more authentic with who I am. I took I put my toe in the water at first and I don't recommend that everybody has to just, quote unquote, come out and tell everything about themselves because Mm -hmm. maybe in a situation where you can't do that. And in my law firm, I was in a situation where I was I was hesitant, but eventually I just said, you know what, this is me, take me or leave me. And it's been, but that's, that's hard. It's right. hard. Yeah. And how long hard. had you been practicing law before you came out of the spiritual closet, if you will? 
a long time. I, yeah. For people who are better at math than me, I became a lawyer. <laughs> Figure this out. Uh, but uh, I became a lawyer very young. I was trying jury trials at 25 after three days in the Dallas County DA's courthouse um, at their office. They said, okay, Michelle, you're trying a jury trial. Three mm. days. Wow. And so uh, it, it was, uh, oh, it's been a long time that I've <laughs> And had you had you always been using your psychic abilities, but were kind of unaware? I have always been using them and I really denied them for a while and thought I was just that smart because I worked hard mm -hmm. to be to I have to work for most things. And let me just say this. I can manifest things pretty quickly, but I think people might look at some people and think that just came so easily to them. Why do they get to do this? And I'm not just. I've worked for things in my life. I yeah. really am tenacious. I'm quite driven, not competitive with others at all. I really want us all to succeed in whatever that is for us um, to be in alignment with what we, where we should be. But I'm quite driven. So I, I worked really hard. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but I think it's really important for me to say that um, I, I really work at whatever I do. And, and I, and that's a form of manifestation. Mm. It's, um, inspired action within the law of attraction. It shows. And then I think I also believe that when you're living a life that's authentic, right, things are easier. There are more green lights and people notice that. Right. And what yeah. I was to answer your question, I think that I when I feel that I denied that aspect to myself because I wanted to prove that I had this logic mm. brain because I always, I didn't always have the most common sense. I maybe had book sense, but not so much common sense. And I kind of felt that people just assume that mm -hmm. you can, especially as now, I, yeah. I mean, every joke you can tell. I went to Texas A&M undergrad, Aggie jokes, blonde jokes, lawyer jokes. Now I get psychic jokes and everybody, are you offended? No, I think they're hilarious, but I, <laughs> I get all those jokes. Right. And so I was using the abilities, but I was like, oh, I'm really smart when I'm picking this jury. No, I was getting a lot of help. And now, but, is that how you use it now? Do you use your psych? How do you use your psychic abilities with law? So primarily that uh, picking jury, that being picking juries, but also consulting on that, but also consulting p potentially with well, and I can only share so much about it, but con consulting on murder cases, uh, crim criminal cases, or uh, also potentially, do you take a case? Do you not? And uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. I don't typically, when I do readings, give legal advice. In fact, I don't give legal advice. I had somebody say to me one time, are you, and he was mad. He said, are you giving me legal advice when I was doing a reading? And I was like, no, that would be $500. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, not giving me legal advice. <laughs> now, how did, how did your colleagues respond when you came forward and said, oh, hey, by the way, I'm also a psychic? so much better than I expected. They were mm -hmm. like, oh, that explains it. <laughs> <Now we can't, laughs> because, you, know, you were looking, you'd be in the middle of an opening argument or whatever you were doing and you'd look off into at whatever. And we were wondering like, where'd she go? What is she looking at? And they, they literally, most everyone was supportive. I think my kids maybe took a little flack. My daughter had a math teacher that asked if, isn't your mom a witch or something? Oh. And so, and my daughter's response was, well, if you think that, maybe you shouldn't say that in front of my whole class or something right. like that. And I don't, I don't use that label. No offense to anyone who does. That label just doesn't, again, back to the boxes. I don't want to be put in any box. So, uh, but it was, yeah, my kids maybe took a little heat, but they're very proud of me. And so now it, it was very, people were welcoming and the people who weren't. They kind of just they didn't left your life. <laughs> And what about your what about your husband? How did he respond? Well, my husband, it sort of happened with the ex-husband who was in a law firm practice. He actually was okay with it too. And my current husband is psychic. So he go. is a little um leprechaun. I mean, <laughs> he gets everything done and he's um always uh, yeah, he's he's amazing. So great. Yeah. So so how did connecting with your psychic abilities and essentially your authentic self, right? Because that's who you came here to be heal your inner wounds or your traumas? Hmm. I know it's a big question. <laughs> still working on it. Yeah. Uh, still working on it. And, but 
I think it my trauma, a lot of it in this lifetime, maybe others, my trauma surrounded, I think, my empathy mm. and thinking, which I think sometimes can be a little bit of reverse narcissism. <laughs> like I, I would think that I'd walk into a room and I would think, oh, so-and-so doesn't like me. And it may be so-and-so just had a headache. Hmm. So I would think it was all about me because I would be absorbing that energy and like a sponge. And like many of us do, probably a lot of people listening, they're impasse. Right. And we do absorb that energy where my first book, The Magic of a Connection, that's why I wrote a lot of that is because I want us to know and wanted myself to know that I can change that energy. I, and start to realize is no, it's not always about you, Michelle, just because you're feeling it. So that was really important to me. And I think that's where I started to heal some wounds of insecurity. I was raised to uh, not brag uh, that you didn't come first and others always came first. And so those types of trauma, I believe stepping into and it's still, again, a work in progress. There will be times if you ask any of my close friends, they'll be like, you care so much what others think. And I'd be lying if I said, I don't care. Right. I do, but I'm still working on it to, there are times when I don't need to care what other people think. Mm-hmm. There are times when I do need to care because I need to treat everyone with the respect that I would want to be treated with, uh, the golden rule. I so that. I'm working on it. Yeah. But I, that's but I great. want, I really want to be truly authentic, but that doesn't need, mean that everyone needs to know everything about me because I do tend to overshare. <laughs> that's when you cut me off when that's, I'm going to. <laughs> that's your Texas hospitality. So what was the first thing then that you did to transmute that energy as you were just sharing in your book, The Magic of Connection? The first thing I did was just take a baby step. Uh, I think that is so important to just know that we don't have to fix everything all at once. We don't have to heal all of our traumas, open all the wounds up. Let's rip off the Band-Aid. It's okay to slowly rip off the band. If if you want to rip it off quickly, then that's fine too. But my first step was probably to change some things in my life that really, and this is a phrase that a lot of people use, but I think it fits, that really weren't serving me. And just to begin to learn that I really could say no to things that weren't for my, the best for my higher self. My higher self is what I would call my authentic self. And I'm working to get my, my earthly ego self more in alignment with my higher self. (laughs) My higher self knows what's best for me, but sometimes my ego self is, is stubborn. So that's, that's really Bringing those together is is what's important. And and you have to use tools for that uh, many times. But I don't think we always have to rely on those tools to get there. Now, do you find that for empaths, establishing boundaries is probably one of the biggest obstacles? For me, absolutely. And for empaths, I would say yes, because we are absorbing things all the time. From a, a good thing that I have implemented, and I suggest many people do, I don't always remember to do it, but it's great to make it a habit. It's a body scan. Mm. Your spiritual, uh, before you go into a meeting, before you go in the grocery store, anywhere, that body scan is, how do I feel physically? How do I feel mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? I think I said the four. Mm -hmm. And, you know, do I have a headache before I walk into this deposition? Do I have a headache before I walk into the grocery store? Is that mine? Sounds so simple, but it really works. What is mine? Minding my own energy. And what is someone else's? Because it's it's easy as an empath to start blaming everyone else for our our stuff. Mm-hmm. But if we we scan ourselves, we know what's our stuff, or at least we have a better uh, gauge of that before we start just blaming everyone else, which I do think empaths can do sometimes. Yeah, it's kind of ironic, right? Like the whole spiritual journey is to bring you out of victimhood, yet we always find a way to get back there. (laughs) And so that, I think the boundaries, those energetic boundaries that you were speaking of, the boundaries are very important. It's not just the saying no, it's like, what situation am I going to allow myself to be put in? And if I scan that energy and I realize, you know, 
uh, emotionally, I'm just not in a great space today. Mm -hmm. I acknowledge that. I see that. And I realize I don't need to be spewing that on everyone else. When I call a friend, I often call and I say, okay, I'm about to emotionally vomit all over (laughs) you. So put, if you don't want to have this conversation, I'm okay with it. Put on your poncho if you do. And because I need to talk and they will then redirect me back to my book often. <laughs> I had it read back to me by close friends. Like, my book, stop it. And uh, both, either of my books and say, you know, practice what you preach, but it's not always easy. Right. So boundaries are important and it's very hard for sometimes for us to put them up. Well, I love that you shared that. And I love that you share how real you are, right? That's part of the human experience. So thank you for that. Well, and with that, we're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned for the weekly skinny up next and more love from the hip. On this weekly skinny, let's talk about the history of acne. Its full name, acne vulgaris, vulgaris meaning common, was first used in 1840. Prior, ancient Greek physicians like Hippocrates used words like varus. Ancient Egyptians referred to it as akut, which translates to boils, pustules, or any inflamed swelling. Historically, skin disease was seen as a manifestation of internal problems. In ancient Greek medicine, the presence of skin disease showed a need to balance the four humors or liquids in the body, which included blood, phlegm, yellow, and black bile. In 1638, acne was associated with menstruation-related disorders, and around 1648, it was linked to sexual behavior. The invention of the microscope allowed for a deeper understanding of acne with the discovery of things like pores and sebaceous glands. In 1842, German physician Carl Gustav identified the first demodex or skin mite while examining tissue that was affected with acne. In 1837, English dermatologist Samuel Plume described blockages of the sebaceous glands leading to follicular inflammation. In the 19th century, Robert William and Thomas Bateman, the fathers of modern-day dermatology, divided acne into four types, that of simplex, punctuate, endurate, and rosacea. The first three types called for local remedies, while rosacea involved treating stomach and or liver problems. While it has taken many centuries, we definitely have more knowledge of acne and its causes, although most doctors still say it is largely genetic. We also have a greater understanding of the culprits in regards to mites and various bacterias. While earlier remedies were vegetable-based for the Greeks, animal-based for the Egyptians, throughout the Middle Ages, treatment included balancing the humors through diet, herbal remedies, and even prayer. In 1922, dermatologist George Mackey and his team addressed diet restrictions when it came to dealing with acne, recommending avoiding things like sweets, soda water, fried foods, coffee, alcohol, and spices. Mackey also correlated acne with stress in the intestines and insisted on the importance of a daily bowel movement. In 1936, dermatologist Herman Goodman recommended peels, antiseptic therapies, astringents, and clays to address acne and also large pores. He also advised against consuming starches and oily nuts. Later came other discoveries for topical remedies like benzoyl peroxide and high-dose vitamin A or isotretinoin. Unfortunately today, acne has sadly increased. This is due to not only poor hygiene, the quality of our food, and disease-causing organisms, but also because of the amount of stress, anxiety, and violence we are exposed to as well. Not to mention how we think and what we say to ourselves. Our ancestors were right to address the body as a whole. Acne is just another example of how everything is all connected and is an unfortunate way in which our bodies can get our attention. Welcome back to Left from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you're just tuning in, I'm having a discussion with Michelle Welch. So, Michelle, the phone lines are lighting up. Let's go and take our first caller. We've got Rhiannon from Chicago. Rhiannon, are you there? I'm, Hi. I'm here. Hi. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. What is your question for Michelle? Yes. Okay. I am in the midst of a career change, and I was hoping you could help guide me to which path maybe I should start on first or put my most focus on. Okay. It's nice to meet you, Rhiannon. I answer me just really succinctly. Do you already do you have an A or B or one or two choice, or you just are globally asking? No, I have an A and a B. Okay, so once um, you get your 
I want you to get your A, don't tell me, in your mind, and your B. Really quickly, A in your mind, do you have it? Mm-hmm. And B in your mind, your two choices, okay? And then I'm going to okay. answer you. All right. This is how I read for all my clients. So, all right. So your fir- for your first choice, um, and I'm going to go really quickly here. So for mm-hmm. your first choice, the A, I would say that that's going to bring, I'm, I'm going to say go with A. I'm not closing the door to anything, okay? But A is going to, is feel, feels better to me. That is uh, more where you can nurture yourself and nurture others. On B, it feels like you're always going to kind of have to be standing guard. It, it feels a little more exhausting to me. Uh, just the, all the things I talked about, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. A feels a lot better to me, what the, the subject we're talking about today, for authenticity and be in alignment with yourself. So not closing the door on either, but to give you a, a guideline of which I would start with and lean towards, it would be A for you. And I really appreciate the honor of reading for you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Let's go to our second caller. We've got Jeanette from Idaho. Jeanette, are you there? I am. Hi. What is your question for Michelle? Well, it's almost the same as Rhiannon's, only I don't have an A or B. It's I'm sort of in um, a cross at a crossroads and I'm just not real clear where to go, where to put my attention. Okay. That's fine. It's nice to meet you. Okay. So I was, what I'm seeing is put your attention a little bit. A lot of people say, look to the future or stay in the present. What I'm getting is turn a little bit to your past. Look at your past and study it. The history of your past. We do not want you repeating the same mistakes. Okay, and I don't I'm not saying mistakes, but any mistakes or things that you didn't like, I I, I retract the word mistakes, but things that you didn't enjoy that you sort of stumbled into in life. You know, that feeling when we just sort of stumble and we go, how did we get here? So I would like you to (laughs) review do an inventory of sorts of your past. And that's going to help you know. And I will say that it feels like something where you will be at a desk. It could be a desk from home, uh, but it is something where you are actually, and I'm not saying that it's an accounting or bookkeeping or doing, uh, even filling no, orders. It could be accounting or bookkeeping, that's for sure. I, I, that's why I said it's not that, but it's something where you would be, you're not a, out uh, working the floor somewhere. It's something you could do from home if you wanted to, and yeah. it is something that would involve probably the computer in some sort of way. Uh, is probably what it's going to be, something that you could do, but you could also go into an office. That is what I'm seeing. But you need to look to the past, like I said, as a first step. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so, Michelle, you had so much, you have so much juicy wisdom in your latest book, Spirits Unveiled. I was hoping you can share more about your theory, Engage Before Sage. What do you mean by that? So what I mean is a lot of us use the term sage and without going into what all that is, and uh, even you can even use a selenite stick. I'm holding it up now just because I've been holding it the whole time. <laughs> a selenite, I actually had someone, selenite's a, a form of crystal. And I actually had some, I told someone to, one time they could use selenite instead of sage. And they said, well, how do you light it? <laughs> well, oh, no. But, but uh, so what I mean by that is, Before we just clear everything out in our life, and I'm talking about spirit beings in my second book, Spirits Spirits Unveiled, I would try to get to know the energy you're dealing with. Ask them, whether it be a loved one coming, uh, trying to get your attention, anything trying to get your attention, ask, what do you want? Because something's trying to get your attention for a reason. So instead of just going around saging everywhere, I would ask. I use the example of if I came to your door. Now, I'll use the example if you came to my door. I, I would not want to greet you with just spraying sage or blowing smoke of sage. In your, I use sage spray. But use spraying that or smudging in your face. And, and I would just say, oh, hello. What can I help you with? And that's what I mean by engage before you sage. Because sometimes 
let's use disincarnates for a ghost as an example. Uh, if people believe in that, uh, which I, I will tell you, they are real, mm-hmm. uh, then you can just ask, engage with them. And then if you decide you need to sage that energy, sage it. Now, do you, do you also recommend scanning your body at that point, too, to see how Absolutely. you feel? Okay. Absolutely. Because that's going to help you know, do you want to... And, and so engage doesn't mean open the door. Right. It just, already, you could do it through the people. What do you want? Mm-hmm. But it, it's really just giving the energy a chance because sometimes that energy has been sent to you for a reason. It's not just all negative for lack right. of a better word. Okay. Now, because we're talking about acknowledging energy in your book, The Magic of Connection, you talk about cord cutting. And why do you not recommend cord cutting? So the reason I said that is because I had a lot of people coming to me for energy healings, whatever you want to call that, and they had had a lot of cord cutting work done. Now, this is not to insult anyone who does cord cutting work. I have friends who do, but it never seems to work. And here's why I think it doesn't work, or at least long term, because we are all one. And if we believe we are connected and all one, then you cannot cut a cord with someone the minute if you're let's say that i'm trying to cut a cord with potentially someone who harmed me in a really bad way in a certain house this is a real example i'll just tell you every time i drive by that house that cord is going to fire up again whether i've had a cord cut or not it's Mm -hmm. going to so what i recommend instead is to heal that cord of connection And my book talks about how to do that. A lot of visualization is involved. Now, that does not mean, I know the next question is, oh, so you're saying that I have to be best friends with, let's say, I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, I used to have to represent some of these people. That's when I stopped doing criminal law, uh, a pedophile. Mm. No, you're not going to do, I'm I'm sorry to even bring that energy in, but I'm just going to cut right to the chase. No, that is not what I'm saying or an abusive person. Right. Uh, you're going to heal though for yourself and then block that energy off by by flooding it with love or whatever you can and and flooding that cord but you do not have to have a relationship with that person that's well, not one of and that absolutely makes sense in order for you to not remain stuck in that energy right absolutely yeah but just like weeds just like uh, and I explain it very thoroughly in the book because I, I lay it out like a case, uh-huh. like a legal case, because otherwise just the statement itself, people immediately will balk, balk at it. But all the people who've read it so far that I know of, they haven't, who, it who makes sense. It, they're like, okay, well, I can't really argue with that, but I'm still going to cut cords. And I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> well, there you yeah. go. <laughs> well, we've got another caller on the line. We've got Amy on the line from Idaho. Hi, Amy. Amy. Hey there. Hey, Amy, Hi. what's your question for Michelle? Um, I was just wanting to know what's in store for me for the year ahead. Okay. So I do read out a year. We know that you have free will. And I did want to say that I set my intention for everyone that I read for, for the highest and best good of the person I'm reading for. And so that's for everyone I've read for today. And that none of my ego or attachment to being right comes in. Uh, thank you for letting me just set, say that because I forgot to say it. Um, so the year ahead to me, it's, you know, we've been talking about authenticity today and the balance between being on earth and then having a spiritual life and how we navigate that. How do we stay? And for you, what I'm getting is this is a little bit spiritual and a little bit worldly. Okay. So I feel like you, you, you have two things that you really kind of pull between and you may not feel like this. So it may be future going. Okay. Future telling in a sense, since you asked for the year ahead. I feel it's going to pull you. There may be a point at which you're pulled between, is this what I, where I feel like I'm authentically in alignment with my true path? Or is it an area where it's really more what's going to serve me right now, money-wise, or makes more sense logically? So it's balancing that logic and that intuitive self. I will say, it sounds like, do you work, Amy? Uh, it's Amy, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, do you work outside the home? And what I mean by that is homemakers are what they work too. But do are you still are you do you work outside the home? 
Yeah, I do work okay. outside the home. So I feel like there's going to be a push-pull of some sort. Uh, and so I don't ever like to leave people without hope, but I also got, I'm getting twos for you. Okay. So twos are choices. That doesn't mean they're bad choices, but there's going to be a push pull. I want you to know that you'll be able to balance that, but you have to be grounded and able to balance that. And for you, I feel like you need to ground not only to the earth, but I ground to the heavens. And I would like you to do that too. Otherwise we're like one of those tire things out at the car places, those gumby looking things that just swap around, they're grounded to the earth, but the rest of them just swapping around. So if you would like ground, look up and ground to a star, like lasso to that, and then ground to the earth, when you make that decision, you'll be very clear. I do believe a decision's coming up for you, but don't worry, don't fret about it, because this feels good to me. The cho- It's good to have choices, and I believe there's going to be a choice for you. I see it, but you will be in a good position in your thoughts and mind to make that decision. Okay. It does. It feels like it surrounds work. All right. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Amy. All right. And with that, we're going to go out to a break, but don't go anywhere. Love from the hip. We'll be right back. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H dot com. If you're planning on building a home or a major landscaping project, you'll want the team of Stone Resources on your side. Safely, effectively, and correctly working with our unique terrain requires local knowledge and environmental care. For 21 years, Stone Resources has been making sure their customers' biggest investment is on solid ground. Trust your next earth-moving project to Stone Resources. Call 425 754-6792. That's 425-754-6792. Stone Resources. We make the earth move. And remember, if you need dirt or have dirt to get rid of, you can call on us. 425-754-6792. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you're just joining us, I have the lovely Michelle Welch here with us. And be sure to pick up a copy of her latest book, Spirits Unveiled. So, Michelle, who do you channel? So I channel my higher self and the collective, but a a specific guide that I work with, and I do believe archangels are guides, a type type of guide, is uh, Archangel Raziel. So archangels are the leader type angels. They represent, in my opinion, the characteristics of God. And Raziel represents the kind of the mysteries of God, the Mm -hmm. secrets of God. And I believe the reason that Raziel has chosen to work with me, I believe archangels will work with with anyone if you call on them. But Raziel is a little bit more subtle. It's It's a high intelligence Raziel's the one that works with us with sacred geometry, uh, the Akashic records, and most importantly for me, clearing karmic residue. If you've ever heard that saying from people, well, you signed up for it, you signed (laughs) that karmic contract. I believe that's a bit, I'm going to say this, I hope hope it doesn't upset anybody. I believe that can be a bit spiritually abusive. Mm. Um, When someone, if somebody's really in dire straits and somebody says, well, you signed up for this, just now, and they just dismiss you. Right. We can break karmic contracts if we, if it's for our highest and best good. And so Raziel has worked with me for that to help people. Ironically, uh, Raziel is the patron archangel for lawyers and lawmakers. And I have (laughs) so and I didn't know that and so Raziel when you how you know you work with Raziel is and if you want to call him Raziel 
the colors of the rainbow, colors we can't even imagine would be the aura colors for Raziel. And sacred geometry, I mean, I don't even know a right angle. I don't know math. I don't, <laughs> that's not my thing. And so I, I think when you channel or work with a guide that helps you and guides you to the purpose, that's what a spirit guide is. And then an archangel is helping you with some specific characteristic of source or God then many times it's going to be something that you're not great at. They're, mm. they're helping supplement you in an area where you know that they're guiding you yeah. because you need help in that area. And so to help many of my clients who do have trauma and they've been told maybe, well, you signed up for that very flippantly, Raziel will sweep in and help with some of that karmic residue. So I that's love, that. I love so. that. Now, you also share how to connect with Ascended Masters in your book. How do you recommend we do that? And also, does everyone have access to all beings? I think, I yes. I, I Let's say this. I think there are certain beings uh, and Ascended Masters uh, that if we don't earn their trust, maybe even Raziel, certain Akashic Record uh, gatekeepers, uh, bouncers, I call them. <laughs> but, uh, if we don't, at some point, they're not maybe going to let us have access to, because I believe everybody has access to the Akashic records, the knowingness of all. But your question was, sorry, your question again was. Oh, how do we connect with the Ascended Masters? masters. So Ascended Masters are there to help us with a certain skill, to teach us. So there's the spiritual ones, Jesus, uh, Buddha, on and on. But there's also other ones. If we want to learn how to uh, be a great animator, a cartoonist or something like that, then it might be, this is shocking, but like Walt Disney or something. Uh, so uh, I also put in my book, Tesla, who was very much, uh, if we don't get credit for something, maybe we're kind of robbed or we're mistreated uh, for things that we created. Uh, Tesla could be an ascended master. I also believe that uh, that we can ascend. Ascend just means to rise. Mm. We can ascend while we're on earth. That is That varies. You, you can try that on for size. If you don't like it, that's fine. But we can, to rise, we can actually rise while we're still on earth and can help others. So ascended masters don't necessarily have, in my opinion, have to have incarnated out and they're done with their incarnation. Some people might not even believe in reincarnation right. and they can Masters. And so essentially, we're elevating our consciousness. And then as we do that, do we have new ascended masters that you think we work with? Absolutely. Or depending on if we uh, ch have a change in our expansion of what where we're going. And it doesn't necessarily mean we're ascending higher and we're better and better than everyone else. Mm -hmm. It may be that it's a lateral move. And we're <laughs> different, right? Where uh, all of a sudden I was learning this and now I'm learning something else, but that doesn't make me any better than anyone else. Just because maybe I am working with this archangel or this ascended master and someone else is working with a different type of spirit guides. Guides appear to us as we need them. Mm -hmm. And we also put things through our experiential filters and everyone's experiential filters are different. So I should never be telling anybody I can say, I invite you to do this, or here's my experience. But it, those guides are going to come to each of us in different ways, in the ways we're ready to see them or we're ready to accept them, I believe. Now, there may be times we see things that we're not ready to see or yeah. we sense things we're not ready to sense. But in most cases, the guides appear to us the way we're ready for them. And that doesn't make anyone higher or better than anyone else or more elevated or more uh, their vibrations higher. It just means we're at different spaces in this, in the way, in this parallel universe, in the way we're walking through this one. And how do you think the pandemic has affected us being able to see angels and paranormal and aliens and all of that? I think I've never believed in a veil uh, because I've never sensed it. So I never really understood it. I don't want to say that that's a form of control, but I just said it. <laughs> I think it's some, somewhat a form of control to say there's yeah. a veil and you have to go through an intermediary. Although I do have friends who celebrate the veil and I celebrate their ritual of celebrating the time of the thinning of the veil. But I do think that our access to these, all these beings I think more and more people are becoming aware of all the different kinds of beings that are around us, that humans are not all there is. 
it's not just all about us. Mm -hmm. And so since the pandemic for me and many of people that I have talked to, they have seen with their physical eyes or sensed through their mind's eye, which is, could be actually more advanced seeing with your mind's eye, uh, I propose more and more and maybe hybrids of things uh, such as alien. I don't need the government to tell me that there's aliens. I, I don't <laughs> think the government to, tell, to affirm anything for me. If I believe that or I see that, then I'm going to go with what I've seen mm -hmm. and then maybe talk to my good friends and see, hey, have, have things changed for you since the pandemic? And the universal answer has been yes. I love that. Well, we're coming to the end of the show, but I want to ask you, having had a religious upbringing, what might you say to someone who is struggling with feeling like they have to choose between their faith and their spiritual calling? Thank you so much for asking that. I say this so frequently to many people. I say that acknowledge that it is a struggle. It's okay to acknowledge that you have a struggle with it, but please know that you do not have to choose. Please know that. And I understand that you will feel like you do, but know that a true relationship with whatever that religion is, that if you want that true relationship, let's use Christ as an example. If you want that true relationship with Christ, it's about the relationship and you can go as far in with your metaphysical walk as you want and you feel comfortable with and, and you don't have, and no one is pushing you or trying to proselytize, excuse me, you to do any more. You can do both. And I have been in that boat. And please, please know that you're not alone in that struggle. I love that you shared that. Thank you so much. And now, Michelle, how can my listeners learn more about you and your books and your podcast? The best and probably easiest way is to go to Michelle with two L's, Michelle Welch. Dot com. Uh, also, if you wanted to go to soultopia.guru or to mysoultopia.com, but really Michelle Welch will, .com will lead you to all of those places. Wonderful. Thanks again for being here today. You truly are magnetic. Glowing. Um, thank you. And thank you to Eric, my amazing producer, you the listener, KKNW, Timber Country, and Cape Town Zone Radio. You can find me at sakurasutter.com and tune in next Wednesday for another episode of Love from the Hip. Stay kind out there, stay true to you, and don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead, I dare ya. 